So today we are introducing a topic that we are going to cover this whole month and I want you to take beautiful and very good notes. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I hope you are taking notes. <laughs> Tell them, if you are not taking notes, I hope you are listening well. Tell them, I hope you are listening well. All right. I'm introducing the theme, Understanding Covenants. One of the main features that we see through the Bible is covenants. We observe from God's word that God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. And really, our relationship with God is based on covenant, not on sentiment, not on emotions, but on covenant. It's difficult for us to understand covenant because we, the closest thing to covenant that we know is contracts. But a contract and a covenant are totally different. And let me paint the contrast for you. Both of them, covenant and contract, are binding agreements between two parties. That's number one. Number two, both of them carry serious obligations and conditions, both covenant and contract. However, a contract is an agreement between two equal parties who are in a position to negotiate with each other. And you don't sign the contract until both parties have arrived at a mutually agreed space and conditions. And if either of them doesn't comply to the terms of the contract, the other one is freed from the obligation of the contract. Let me give an example. You get a contractor to build your house. You have a site, you have a plan, and you say to the contractor, I want you to build me a house and our contract agreement will be 10 key. In other words, build everything from beginning till the end all I want is for you to give me the key, turn the key, go into the house. And then you go through all the requirements, all the material you need, uh, the color coding and the tiles, the finishes, everything. And then you agree, I'm going to pay you X amount per month and you need to do this and by this such and such a date you must have completed. Right? When the date comes and the contractor has not completed you have all the rights to not comply to certain things. You may withhold your pay. You may do whatever. That's a contract. All right. So a contract, there's a way out. All right. A covenant, on the other hand, is not an agreement between two equal partners. It's more of an uneven, uneven people, or should I say, people of uneven power. It's more of a unilateral agreement between someone who is in a stronger position and someone who is in a weak position. For that reason, because of the dynamics of that, the one on a stronger position comes to say, this is the covenant I want us to have. And the weaker person, you really have no say in it. <laughs> Yours is to either accept or to say, no, I don't want it. Either you obey or you rebel. All right? So in a covenant, you'll find that the terms are settled more by the stronger partner. And these terms cannot be altered. And the other person, you just have the freedom to agree or disagree, reject it or accept it. Unlike a contract, a covenant cannot be altered. However, it's based on promises. But these promises are not necessarily as a result of mutual negotiations. In, the, in other words, you could see in Old Testament times and even through history, when kings who conquered other nations would take on the other nation and make a covenant with them. So it's the stronger king making a covenant with the weaker nation. This is almost like the same thinking that's behind Marriage sometimes. Things have changed, of course, 
we have redefined things. But way back then in the days, it was like the stronger man taking on the woman who's supposed to be weaker. We know better now, right? But it was the man who's strong, who's the initiator, the man who's strong, who must look after God. Some of that is still true makes a proposal to the woman. And then when you went into covenant, you took on the name of the other. So you take on the surname, all right? And the covenant would be one way. Therefore, but what's interesting is a covenant when made would also be transgenerational. So in making covenant, not only are the two parties at table making covenant affected by the covenant made, but the unborn children and other people are implicated by that covenant. And this is what our generation and people in our time don't understand. In this age of, you know, secular humanism, where mankind is the God of his life or her life, where people believe that they are the be-all and end-all and don't worry about what I do, worry about your business, I am my own person, I am me, me, myself, and I, and who are you to judge me and who are you to tell me? I'm going to live my life. I'll do what I want with my body, with my money, with my time. I'll drink what I want. I'll smoke what I want. I'll go where I want. And don't you tell me anything because it's my life after all. Problem with that is that none of us is disconnected from others. Because what you do, as you see in the Bible, what people did in covenant implicated the ones that are to follow. We read about Abraham that when he gave tithes, Isaac, who was still in his loins, gave tithes as well. And so people don't understand why is it that one person can sow the seed that misleads an entire lineage by the thought of being individualistic and because today's generation doesn't understand that and they don't accept that. We are people, many people are living and affected by the results of the generations that have gone before. And oftentimes people don't understand what is the root of the problem. But the root of the problem started maybe two generations ago when some selfish, self-centered, individualistic somebody decided they're going to do something. Yeah, You know the issue around fetal syndrome that uh, doctors tell us about. When a mother drinks alcohol, they've already sealed the destiny of that child. Yeah. They've already sealed the destiny of the child. Why? Because this child comes into the world already a drunkard. Already. This is crying in a why does God say, I will, I will, I will, I will, you know, I can't say it in English. I will what? I will visit, I will visit what? The sins of the, of the fathers to their children. Yeah. To the third and fourth generation. So, 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 so when, when, when men do certain things, don't understand how much it's going to affect their children. They don't understand. They don't understand. You know? When a man goes siring children everywhere, right? Right? All over the place, doing all kinds of things. He, he's not, he, it's his life, yeah. It's his right, yes. Mara. They are already sealing the destiny of children that are to follow. Children are going to be raised who don't know who their dad is. They're not connected to their dad. He's absent in their lives. And they grow up bitter. I've been in several funerals, Bazalan. Several. Wherein, on the day of the funeral, the children only found out the day before that was their dad. Oh, yeah. And I remember several occasions I've spoken to those children myself. And the anger in them. It's even worse when it's boys. And this boys grows up an angry man who's going to spew out toxic masculinity. Because he's angry. And unfortunately because he's angry and he's unforgiving, 
He binds that sin to his life. So it started by someone having fun in a bar at a nightclub because it's my life. It's me. Who are you to judge me? Who are you to tell me? They don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand how. They are bringing a child into the world who's going to have to deal with multiple problems. A child who's going to be scarred in their heart and they have to have psychological help. They have to have spiritual intervention. They have to be assisted and hopefully they can be helped or otherwise already they have brought in a serial killer on the moon, on the horizon. And people don't understand that. And when you understand covenant and what it means, in covenant there are things you don't do not because... You can't do them. And not because it benefits you. But you're thinking of the people who are coming after you. That's not how we think today. No, that's not how we think. People think about themselves and they put themselves first. Tell your neighbor, why are you so quiet? Is it you who's doing these things? Is it you? Is it you? If it's you, look at them. If it's you, trada, 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 trada. A covenant then is a sovereign pronouncement of God by which he establishes a relationship of responsibility. A covenant is a relationship, but it's a relationship that has been formalized and has been brought under sanctions. Now, when you look in the Bible, there's different types of covenants. Number one, we find a covenant that God makes a covenant that's made between God and man. There are several of them. We have what we call the Adamic covenant. That's the covenant that God made between himself and Adam. We're going to explore these covenants together, by the way. Then we have the covenant between God and Noah, called the Noahic covenant. And then we have the covenant God made with Moses, called the Mosaic covenant. And then a covenant made with David, called the, Dav the Davidic covenant. All right? And in all these covenants, God as the greater, as the stronger, made the proposal. But here's what's interesting, Vazalan. Okay, maybe I'm going ahead of myself. I'm going ahead of myself. Secondly, we see covenants cut between men and men. For instance, you see Joshua cutting covenants with other tribes or other nations as the leader of the children of Israel. You see that in Joshua 9.6. We see David and Jonathan in the book of Samuel cutting covenants. We see covenants between individuals in Genesis 31. Now note, when covenants were made between people, each party bound themselves to fulfill certain conditions and they were shown to receive certain advantages. But note, in making these covenants, God was solemnly invoked as a witness. In other words, they would swear, not the swearing, it's like when you, when you go to court and you take an oath. Now note, when you take an oath, when you swear, you swear by a greater one, a greater person, okay? And the understanding behind that and the, the logic behind that is when you swear by a greater, it is that greater one who is to hold you accountable to the covenant if you break it. And that greater one is the one who, if there needs to be payment for the covenant, they are big enough to give what is necessary to pay for the covenant. So people would swear by God, you know. But when Jesus came, he said, ah, don't swear anymore. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? Don't swear anymore, right? But very interesting, when God made a covenant with Abraham, the Bible says God also took an oath. He swore. Mara, who is God going to swear by? Who is greater than God? No one. So he says, and so God swore by himself. Let me decode it for you. Let me decode it for you. The covenant that God has made between himself and us is a covenant in which he swore by himself. In other words, he's saying, if I'm not true to my word, I'm going to have to kill myself. If you understand that, you'll understand how powerful God's word is. And how your faith level has to go to another level. Because 
When it tells us in, in the book of Deuteronomy, God is not in the book of Numbers. God is not a man to lie. What is he saying? He's saying he's not a man to lie. There's no way God can lie. God can do everything, but the one thing God can do, he can lie. He has to be true to his word. When it tells us in the book of Psalms, he has exalted his word even above his own name. In other words, God has made a covenant with us and it cannot be broken. And so, when you understand that, you understand the importance of standing on God's word that God is going to come through for you. Moses understood that. When God was angry with the children of Israel and he wanted to kill them because oftentimes they would disobey him and go and worship other gods. And so he comes to Moses and says, I'm up to here. And his anger and in rage, he says to Moses, leave me alone. You know, it's an, it's an interesting <laughs> He says to Moses, leave me alone. I want to kill all of them. Now, no, it was Alan. You don't talk to God in certain tones when God is in a good mood. But when he's in a killing mood, you want to be very careful. What causes Moses to have the courage to raise his voice and talk to God in a certain tone when God is angry? Not because of who he was, but because of who God is. Because of an understanding that there is a certain line that God will never cross even when he is angry. Oh, you're not hearing me. And so Moses stands before God and says, God, what will the people say? When you kill the people that you took out of Egypt, is it not you who said you are bringing them out? Is it not you who promised their fathers Abraham about the land? And it says, and God repented. And God repented. Why? God is bound by his word. So when he says that by this, his stripes you are healed. Believe it. Believe it. Ah, when he says greater is he that is in you, that is he that is in the world. Believe it. Because God is not a man to lie. God always keeps his promise. Note, Bazalan. With Noah, God destroys the whole earth through a flood. And as the whole earth is being destroyed through the flood and makes this covenant with Noah, God then cuts a covenant with Noah and says, from now onwards, I will never again destroy the entire earth with a flood. And I will make sure I remember that by putting a rainbow in the sky. And he said, in this covenant, Noah, here's another thing. As long as the earth remains, Seed time and harvest, winter and summer, day and night will never cease. Millions and millions of years since God made that covenant, he keeps to it. Because God is a covenant keeping God. Yeah. So every time it rains, when you see the rainbow, it's not necessarily for God to remind you. God, is, is, God puts the rainbow to remind himself. Even Remember, the earth is as evil as it was in the days of Noah, if not worse. And God is still the same righteous God as he was in the time of Noah. So why doesn't he just destroy us with the flood? The whole earth just flood us all. That's because he can't break his covenant. Ah, God is a covenant-making God. Can I hear a good amen, Bazaar? We see God making a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. And this is interesting. We'll go through that with you later on. But in making covenants, note, people were allowed to have someone stand in proxy. How about you look at your person next to you, Reverend? Oh, proxy now. Why are Amen. But in the covenant that God made with Abraham, this covenant was far reaching. Note. Not only would it involve Abraham and the people of God, the children of Abraham, but it will also involve those who are Abraham's children, not through blood in their veins, but through faith in their heart. And God realizes, because of how far-reaching this covenant is, I cannot take a risk of making it between me and a man. I can't take Abraham 
and make a covenant with him because and because how far reaching this covenant is and it is through this covenant that Jesus will come into the earth so what does God do first in Genesis 12 he promises Abraham a child Abraham a child not Abraham Abraham a child and then in Genesis 15 he comes back to Abraham and listen to the language Barcelona. important listen to the language listen to the language God says to Abraham, I'll give you a child. And Abraham asks a question, how shall I know? Listen to the language. See, if, if you don't understand covenants, you, want, you can't decode that. You can't. You just read your faith the fail. What is Abraham asking? It's not a question of unbelief. It's a question of certainty. It's a question because Abraham, remember, is, in, is, a, is Iraqi from South Iraq has been raised in a background where they made covenants, blood covenants in particular. He understands that. And so God connects with Abraham at his level. God will always connect with you at your level. He knows Abraham understands blood covenant. So in order for God to reveal who he is, he goes to what Abraham understands. Abraham asks, how will I know? God says, Take for me a lamb. Take for me an animal. Split it in half. And so Abraham, understanding what God is saying, he already hears covenant. So God says, how will I know? God says, I'll make a covenant with you. That's how you'll know. So he understands blood covenants can't be broken. Blood covenants are permanent. Blood covenants can't come out of it. So even if God told us we're going to have a child, if you cut a covenant, he has to keep to what he said. He can't get up. But God says, well, in the covenant I'm making with Abraham, it's not just about him, but it's about the people that are to follow, and it's about the lineage of Christ. And God realizes, okay, I'm going to let the guy do all the work. So Abraham gets an animal, cuts it in half, puts the pieces opposite each other, and, and he's, he's, he's lying there. As he's about to go, God causes the brother to get into a comatose condition. So he's, he, he's lying there like he's under anesthesia. He wants to move, but he can't go nowhere. But as he's lying there, he sees the two lights which represent God the Father and God the Son. He sees the two lights going between the two pieces. So what's happening? God is going between the two pieces as God the Father but he has got the son who's standing in proxy for Abraham going between the two pieces. And so the covenant is not just between God and man, it's between God and God and it cannot be broken. And when you make covenant, to show that you've made covenant, the one you make covenant with would take on your name. And God says to him, from this day your name will no longer be Abraham, but you'll be called Abraham. The letter H is actually the name Jehovah. Because the Hebrews understood that you cannot pronounce the name of God. It's irreverent. So when they wrote the name of God, it was written J-H-V-H, J-H-V-W. And they only wrote it in consonants and there were no vowels. It was intentional for the name to be unpronounceable. And so that name, ha, God says, okay, you are Abram, but now I give you my name, the name Jehovah, so you'll be Abraham. And your wife, Sarai, will be Sarah. And very interesting that this unpronounceable name of God is what we are sealed in at birth. And what we do at death. Because when a baby comes into the world, they have to breathe in. Breathe in. And then, they, and then we check their vitals. So when, when they're born, they get smacked to breathe in. Breathe in the breath of God. And they begin to live. And the breath of God is in them. And when we come to the last day of our life, as we lie on the bed, we... And so God, a 
has sealed our destiny from beginning until end. He is Jehovah, the beginning and the end of our lives. Can I hear a good amen in the house? And God gives Abraham his name, and God then takes the name of Abraham. He says, from now I'm the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. And it's a covenant that cannot be broken. So if you understand that, Basalan, then your prayer life will be different. Then your relationship with God will be different. You realize God doesn't respond to you based on how much you lower your voice when you pray. Really, it's not really based on your good works, even if they're important. It's based on what He promised. Oh, God is not a man to lie. God is not a son of man to change his mind. Can I hear an amen in the house? (laughs) And very interesting, God makes a covenant with King David. And he says through the David's lineage, God makes a covenant, but it is through that lineage that Jesus would be born. One who would deliver the people. Very interesting that in the lineage of David, listen carefully, we read somewhere of a young man by the name of Josiah. Josiah who was in the lineage of David, when he looks around, in his family, there's no role model. He's dead. He's a sinning guy, bad guy. His grandfather, the same. Josiah, by understanding the nature of God and the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, realizes that somewhere in my family lineage, there's a virus of evil that came in. But really, the covenant that God made was with my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, David. (laughs) And so Josiah knows I can reach back many generations reach back to that covenant, understand what it means, embrace what it means, and by embracing and understanding of that covenant will bring in the antivirus that will clean out everything in my family lineage. And so Josiah at a young age begins to reach out to God and he begins to do things according to his grandfather David. Why is that important? I want some of you to understand that no matter how much your family lineage is messed up, You can bring in a new virus in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that can change the entire family lineage. You can reach back to someone in your family lineage. When you do good things for God, when you live for God, even if you may not live to see the fruit of it, the seed that you sow never dies. Oh, come on, Mazalana. The good that you do never dies. Can, can I hear a good amen? The, 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 the good things that you do never die. God says, be not deceived. God is not both. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. In other words, if you sow what is good, you may not reap it at the time, but listen, your children may reap it. If they don't, your grandchildren may reap it. If they don't, your great-grandchildren may reap it. Listen to me. You are not wasting time by serving God right now. Even if you may not see the results of it, you are sowing seeds to a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God, and God is going to keep that covenant for your family. Oh, I'm prophesying to somebody. Are you listening to me, somebody? God's going to keep that covenant for the family. Oh, yeah. And so when you understand covenant, you're not going to be discouraged if you don't see the fruit of it now. Because God's covenant is irrevocable, unchangeable. And the God who makes covenant with us, he's not a man to lie. He's not a son of man to change his mind. I'll come to it later, but let me say it now. This great story of David and Jonathan, it's unbelievable. The two make covenant with each other. Jonathan doesn't even have a child at the time. But Jonathan's dad, Saul, doesn't like David. He seeks David out to kill him. 
But David is a righteous guy. He does what's right. And the Bible says, and I love the way it says, it says, and the hearts of David were knit to, the hearts of David and Jonathan were knit together. That's covenant talk. And David loved, that's covenant language. They made a covenant with each other. Unfortunately, Saul and Jonathan were killed on the same day, leaving behind the grandson of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, who was still very young. Saul had spread lies in the palace, telling everybody that David, no, 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 let me rephrase. People in the palace were aware of how Saul mistreated David, and they knew he was the incoming leader. So they dreaded the day in which Saul would die because they knew David would come into power and revenge himself, as it used to be in those days. Little did they know that David was a man of a different heart. Unfortunately, unbeknown to them, when the news of the death of Jonathan and Saul came, The lady who was helping in the home, the house manager, who was a helper in the home, when she heard the news, in her mind she thought, David's going to come back and he's going to do ethnic cleansing. He's going to kill everybody. So she rushes in to pick up little baby Mephibosheth, and in the rush she drops this boy to the ground, that this boy becomes disabled. But she picks him up again, runs to a desert place called Lodiba. I'll talk about it. In detail next time. And then in Lodiba, it's a desert place. In Lodiba, it's a place where they have no relatives. Here they, they live there and he raises this boy in abject poverty. Every day this boy, when he got to be of age, hearing about how one day he may be found out. And he wants to know, why can't I walk? They say, well, we were trying to help you escape from that evil man, David. So this boy grows up with a twisted understanding of David with bitterness in his heart. He didn't do anything to deserve to be in that condition. But what happened in his family line and because of his grandfather led him to that condition. And one day when he's now a little bit older, he hears something that he dreads to hear and he was praying it should never happen. Soldiers arrive where he is. And they say, we're looking for Mephibosheth. He says, it's me. They said, we're here for you. He says, why? King David is looking for you. And all the way back to the palace, he's thinking, I better look around because I may never see this again. I better prepare to die because I'm going to be killed. Go and read it. It's a book of Samuel. It's an amazing story. He's brought into the palace. And as he's ushered into the palace before the king, he runs and he falls to the ground. Waiting to hear those words. Kill him. Cut his head off. And to his utter amazement. Instead of hearing those words, the king comes to him and said, what are you doing? Stooping to the ground like that, what are you doing? Raises his head, he says, what do you mean what I do? He says, no, 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 get up. He gets up, he's shaking. He says, no, 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 stop shaking. And he takes a rope, puts it on him, puts a ring on him, and the boy can't believe what Vatkanan is. And he says, what, 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 what have I done to deserve this? What, what have I done? All I know is I deserve death. And there's a skawara. When you are still in your father's loins. I made a covenant with your dead and we made an agreement with your dead. I'm not doing it this because of you. I'm not doing it because of you. I am doing it for the sake of your father, Jonathan. When God blesses us, he's not doing it because of us. He's doing us because of the one who died on the cross, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Instead of you falling to the ground and looking at yourself as a dog and shaking in the presence of God, God says, don't worry, it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. Come boldly into the throne of grace. And so in covenants, 
What has been agreed on doesn't die. Some of you, you are in that situation. You're sowing good seeds right now. Like I said, you may not live to see it. But it's not gone. I said it's not gone. Let's close quickly with these points. Let's close with these points. What's the importance of understanding covenants? Particularly as we look at the practice of blood covenants. What are the benefits? Number one, it will help you to understand the interconnectedness of the Bible as a progressive revelation. In other words, you know how I talked about David and Jonathan, but in the same breath talked about Jesus Christ. So every doctrine you find in the New Testament has its roots in the Old Testament. If we do that, Basalana, we will not go into error when it comes to interpreting the Bible. Every verse you read has got supportive verses. Or if not the supportive verses, there's a theme around that verse that you can trace all the way back. Not only in the New Testament, but most of it to the Old Testament, and even more so into the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It sets the foundation for all the doctrines that we believe. So when you start understanding covenants, you'll then understand. And you'll start understanding God differently. You'll understand why certain things matter. You know, most people do stuff today. They don't understand. You know? People do all kinds of things. They, they love for standing. What they're doing. I mean, for instance, in the Old Testament, they used to have the threshold covenant. You remember? When I see the blood pass over you, take off the blood, put it on the doorposts, Right? That was a derivative of the threshold covenant. Threshold kikusene. Mofatsimo. So, the practice in those days was people in those days used the threshold, the kusene, as a, an altar. They, they, they pray there, they do all their stuff there, their spiritual stuff there. Kukusene. That's why how about this? Uh, no. I know some of you, you want to act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Look at your neighbor and say, Note then. So, when you get into somebody's home and you step over the kusen, what you're actually doing is you are stepping into their territory. You are relinquishing the rule and the power to yourself to whatever God is ruling in this place. You've stepped over. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? We, we, do, we don't know why Reza was talking about jumpies. I would say about jumpies. I would say about jumpies. You don't even know. You don't even know what you're doing. So this is why then, when you own a place, if you buy a house, buy an apartment, buy a piece of land, it's important when you take possession of it, the first thing you do is to establish which God is in authority. Ah. It's important to announce to whatever territorial spirits that there's a new owner here. The lease has changed. Yeah, I don't know what the other owners did, but as I, as I step over Kusena, it doesn't matter what they have done here. Through the blood of Jesus, everything is cancelled over here. And a new Lord is here in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you understand the interconnectedness of things. Secondly, you will know that the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. Like the Old Testament is the picture of the puzzle. So if you want to understand something, sometimes go to, go to the Old Testament and look at the picture. And you understand more. Number three, when we study covenants, it will help us understand the language and certain expressions that are used in the Bible. Like in Genesis 15. When it says that God says to Abraham, take a haifa or take a lamb, go and slaughter it. If you don't understand, you don't understand its covenant talk. 
When it says David and Jonathan, their hearts were knit together. If you don't understand covenant, you can't see it. You know, no, no. So, you know, but, but it actually talks about it. In fact, did you know something? After Abraham made covenant with God in Genesis 15, it says, and Abraham became a friend of God. It's not, yeah, it's not friendly at Choma. How many of you are sitting next to Choma right now? It's not a friend here, Choma. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not friend in that sense. But it's friend in terms of covenant connection. You see? It's not, yeah, that. Number four. A revelation of the blood covenant as well will understand, help us understand, A, the sacredness of covenant. B, the permanence of covenant. See how God is a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. It will take your faith level to another realm. And finally, it will strengthen your faith more so. I understand our, you know what? God's word is simply a covenant God has made with mankind. So, when you pray, you, you know you don't have to necessarily shout or cry for God to say, Sham Aramis Capsel. So, nothing to do with that. It's based on covenant. And when you understand that it's based on covenant, you can come boldly. You see, Satan will always try to make us forget the importance of covenant. Have you ever been there when you're praying and there's a voice out here that says, God's not hearing you? And then it reminds you of all the things we won last week. And before long, you become discouraged because, you see, you're trying to earn the right. It's not, based, it's not based on what you earn, even if we should live right. But it's based on who God is. And Mama Lambazalan, the surety of the covenant is determined by in contracts, rebuaka, underwriters. The underwriter of the covenant is God. In other words, the surety of it is based on who is backing it up. Now note, when people made covenants, as I said, they used to swear by a bigger power. And the understanding was the bigger power will hold them accountable. But when God made covenant with Abraham, he says, by myself have I sworn. So it means God has made this covenant so strong and there's no way it can break. And so when we come to God on the basis of covenant, our faith is in a different level altogether. Let me close. When a centurion came to Jesus and told him about the servant <laughs> who's sick, Jesus says, I'm coming to you, the servant says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to come to my house. You see, this, you see, this brother understands things. He says, you, you see, I, I'm a man under authority. <laughs> I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another one, come, and he comes. Mara, uh, Mara, when I, just, you, when I just speak the word only. This man understands the weight of the words and the sayings of Jesus because of the tenets of covenant. Speak the word only. Because words are carriers. But the power they carry is based on the one who is speaking those words. I know that you are not a man to lie. I know you are not a son of man to change your mind. I know that the words you are speaking, Jesus, are spirit and are life. I know that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. Yeah, just speak the word only. 
And because of the one who's speaking the words, I know my servant will be healed. When we understand covenant, Bazalan, we'll stop trying to work to deserve it. All we need to do is to receive it by faith. Somebody put it this way. If you, I don't know these days, but in our time, when you visited next door and you saw the child of that home go into the refrigerator to go and get a drink, you just stood there because you knew you have no right. And even when that child said, no, you can have one or mamaokai, Somebody is laughing by revelation over there. <laughs> because you don't have what we call a right standing. Your, 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 your position is not a right one. We call it righteousness. Umutu. Like the other mutu. You've been offered benefits like the other one has been offered benefits. The problem is your position. You, you don't belong because there's nothing that binds you to the people where you are. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away and all things have become new and then it goes down. It says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we should be made the righteousness of God. See, in covenant, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us a right standing with God. No longer are we strangers. No longer are we sojourners. But now we are children of the Most High God. We are, we are, we are children of promise. Now we have been adopted into the family. You don't have to wait for mama to tell you to open the refrigerator. Just get to the refrigerator because you have a right to get what you need. Not because you deserve it, but because of covenant. I'm hoping this month, as we go through the teaching of covenant, it can change your spiritual understanding. And if nothing else, it can take your faith level to a new direction. Change your prayer life. Change how you stand on the basis of what belongs to you, what rightfully belongs to you. There are many people who are allowing the devil to push them off what rightfully belongs to them. But Satan can only successfully do that if you don't know who you are. But if you know who you are, you just stand there in the name of Jesus and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Hallelujah. Hold hands with your covenant brother and your covenant sister. And just begin to pray for them for the revelation of this word. Can you do that right now, please? Just pray for them. Pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mahari Munambrusta. Shembra Molia Nembraga Labodesata Rabalama Nimbris Sakora Debraba Oh Rebecca Tessalebahale Bodiachelet Father, I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister, for an understanding of covenant. Oh, Emanese Prefen Mahali Degus Rabalama Nembren Gondom Braga Dagaliste. Thank you, Lord. Keep on praying. Father, we pray even for those who don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. We pray they will connect with your covenant today. 
as you reach out to them and call them home oh gesi kamoresh ramanongresta karabagre rapanemalia tesakrenda bardegul nosotebe jana manunde brakatarabakurialo sekatarde maliale levre bragalekre nansens vrever benengro nolo de shikara deve thank you lord shatala mahama Rebere a nembre rabangre na nonzen stamele hele braka de dokose thank you jesus your heads bowed please your eyes closed right where you are nobody moving around just keep your heads bowed your eyes closed please if you don't mind if you are here today and you've been invited or you've come on your own it might even be your first visit might not be but you know in your heart of hearts Jesus Christ is not the savior of your life. As you've been listening to God's word, you realize this amazing covenant that God has with us that he has offered to us. And all he awaits for is for you to receive that covenant. You've heard God's word, but you know your life is not right before God. You don't need to leave this place or where you are. You don't need to leave that place in the state in which you are. Jesus Christ is able to change you. and transform you with our heads bowed please and our eyes closed if you say please pray for me i want to invite jesus christ into my heart to be the savior and the lord of my life would you raise your hand please right where you are i want to pray for you just raise it high let me see it thank you so much thank you so much that's what it's about it's about covenant god said whosoever will can come god said if you will Believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess it with your mouth you will be saved. God said as many as received him he gave the power to become God's children. Don't worry about all the wrong things that have happened in your life. Don't believe that you are beyond God's help and God's redemption. God is able to change you. God is able to transform you. God is able to turn around your life and the life of your lineage. Just raise that hand today and let's pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Would you kindly stand please all the people who raised their hands. Would you please stand right where you are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just stand right where you are. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I know you are serious about this decision. I know you want God to do something in your life. So, if you could please take all your belongings in your hands, your Bible, your bag, your purse, don't leave anything behind and just come out on the aisle. The ushers will show you. Come stand right in front. I want to pray with you. Give them a big hand everybody. Come on everybody, give them a big hand please. Come on. 